And we're live. Oh, not much point in saying we're live, because I can't keep your voice if uh, the music is playing in the background, really. <laughs> uh, it's not. It, no, no, it was still... There's a delay on your end. It was still... Really? Oh, okay, so you actually... There's like a two, three second delay. It's not like it's instant. There's like a two, three second catch up right yeah yes it's it's spooling it's caching um actually no it just takes a bit to transmit over how how do you do your local recording anyway you're grabbing through audacity are you actually specifically only taking the wow so what gets sent to stream anyway are you mixing discord and then your microphone directly somehow hmm no, all basically what OBS. Okay, so the endpoint is Twitch, mm -hmm. and to get to Twitch, it's using OBS. OBS is now taking in my microphone talk as a source, as an audio source, and then anything I take off my desk, oh. anything coming to my ears. Okay. As the next other source, and then sending it off to Twitch. Could you make a note to try to tweak that to get just Discord as your other audio input? That way you can have system sounds or a video game or something, and its audio can't get picked up. So it, it will be worth your time investigating. We can run tests at another time anyway. I had that at one point, and then uh, OBS for some reason didn't work, so I had to completely uninstall and reinstall it. I just left it alone. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of a lot of people are like that. Like, yeah. So uh, our proper beginning is supposed to be uh, hi everyone. This is uh, twenty twenty oh nine twenty seven episode number twenty two. So uh, we have one minor change that I'll talk about in segment three. But uh, other than that, let's get right into it. So right now, I am for the first time actually using a uh, set of cookware in the oven. And it was actually, it's one of these things where I, I buy it with that in mind. And it's not something you can do with all kinds of bakeware because some of them will have uh, fragile handles. And the, even though the material of the actual bakeware could be like stainless steel, for example, and it will like survive in the oven if it's not if the entirety of it isn't rated then you don't know if anything's going to warp or whatever but i have this bakeware it's not really good for that and you can tell if the bakeware is good for like 450 fahrenheit something like this um if it's rated for that for like 450 500 even which is ridiculous then you can like broil with it and you can have the, uh, what's the term? I can't remember because I don't really know how to cook. Anyhow, um, if you have bakeware that can handle that kind of thing, then suddenly, well, now you can get rid of all kinds of like uh, casserole dishes, right? So I've got a particular pan. It's a, it's a deep pan with uh, like high walls. Yeah, high walls are like 90 degrees. And so it's not a frying pan, so it's made for all kinds of stuff like this. And I'm using it. I'm using it right now, actually. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna send Minion off to be my Minion and press a button in like 15 minutes or something like that. And uh, what's happening there is I've got pierogies. Hey, I can remember that word now. Okay, so I've got pierogies, and they're actually being baked. 
And I've never done that before, but I'm not baking them like on a, a baking pan or something like that. I'm baking them in uh, I, some weird variation of a casserole, which is just, I'm trying to get rid of the last of my, uh, my pasta sauce because I'm not eating pasta anymore. And, and so I'm just like, it, it's actually a recipe on the back of the box for the pierogi. So it's, it's viable, I think. So it's just the pierogies plus the pasta sauce plus, and I'm looking at the box and it's saying, well, <laughs> so you do this and then you add your choice of vegetables and you add cheese on top. Well, well, I don't have any cheese and a vegetable is vegetables. Oh, speaking of which, do you want to, now today's Sunday. I'm thinking of going back to Costco and grabbing a cheese. You mean like Cause... feta? No, not feta. Just like, I don't know, cheddar or something because I, ever since I knew Alfredo doesn't have that much of a taste to it, like the first few bites are good and then halfway through it's kind of like waterish tasting and then at the end I'm just slogging through. It's like, this doesn't taste as good anymore okay so so some background uh all i had a huge box because i was working on 10 years of stuff so i had like uh, a good year worth of pasta that i was working on on like buying in bulk so i had this big box that's probably worth like several months easily and i, I could i can't eat pasta anymore because i'll I'll get a criminal record because of it. And judges probably won't believe me when I say, like, it's the pasta. <laughs> uh, so I gave it all to Minion. And Minion's like, well, because he doesn't want my pasta sauce. Um, not that I had a huge amount, but I had like 11 cans. And so he went, He likes Alfredo sauce, so white sauce. And so, Minion, you were saying that you were exploring so you tried like three different varieties. You you haven't actually tasted I them all. Only have one. You only have one variety of sauce. I've only had one, and it's almost done. No, no. I mean, because you had from powder, and you had you still have a jar left. So you haven't tried those yet, have you? I've only tried one thing so far, and that one thing's almost out. So either tomorrow or oh, I got to take a picture and record stuff this time. So you're gonna like take a picture of the ingredients list. I'm going to take a picture of the physical thing and then rate it. Oh, <laughs> you're going to be like clickety-clack. You're going to be a Karen. <laughs> you're going to put up a Yelp review? <laughs> no, just for my own self. So my tastes are weird and I don't want to drag other people with me. I'm confused. Who else is going to see it? How are you actually presenting it to the world? I am not presenting to the world. This is something that'll die that'll take to my grave with me. So this is for your future self just to not make this mistake again. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this because after a while with other things, you just learn. Yeah. So this, and I'd rather not make the mistake twice. Well, this is the archivist in in all of us. So if you write it down, now you can forget it forever, or rather, you can have like. Well, we have phones with a huge amount of storage now, so theoretically speaking, always make a backup. But theoretically speaking, what you could do is you could, like, this is why I want shopping lists to have incredible functionality for stuff like this, because you could have, like, a, 
a catalog of pictures and some commentary. And you could be like, Alfredo sauce has an empty check mark because you need to buy more and, you know, priorities and all this kind of stuff. And then you've got like, these are my prefer in the preferred order. <laughs> I could go to this uh, grocery store for this or this stuff, or I can go to the corner store for that stuff. And this is the, this is what my favorite, but if they're out of that, go try this. And then you have like your, your personal reviews in there as well to explain to your future self who doesn't remember any of this stuff, like why you do or don't like things. But, but like, if I were a software developer or I were still in the business of funding software developers, this is the kind of stuff I would definitely like make. Like how, how much more interesting an experience would it be if you, if you were grocery shopping and as I was talking with Minion the other day, something about this, which is how awesome would it be if you pull up your list, it's got a list of priorities. It's like, oh, Hey, do you feel like going out grocery shopping? Well, where do you want to go? And it does because you can't assume that you're going to drive around and go to like four different grocery stores. Like, who does that? So, so you're like, well, I feel like dropping. Well, you don't. Uh, no, actually, I'm, I'm dude bro about this. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to Walmart, and that's, and I go just there, and it's very rare that I get derailed and go someplace else for any reason. And for I mean, if you're already out shopping, couldn't you just realize like. I'm going shopping for this. Might as well stop by for that. And while I'm out it, while I'm at it, let's go pick this up as well from here. Yeah. So that's kind of like the mall experience expanded out throughout the city kind of thing. And no, I don't really think of things that way. I will have like point A and point B and I might plan multiple stops along that. And I might have plans somewhere and swing, swing past someplace else. But I prefer to have things lined up, all my ducks lined up in a row, so that I can kind of mentally know or, or plan or budget or decide how much I want to carry. Now, that does leave me, I am still fine with being derailed, being excited, walking past a place and being like, oh yeah, I was... I, I want to go and look at mattress prices because I want to go buy a new mattress. Well, I mean, this is a place right here. Just pop in. And I don't mind doing that, but I never really plan for a massive, like, I don't want an epic storyline going through the entirety of the city, through all these different places. I want to just have my favorite grocery store. And when they don't have a bunch of the stuff I don't like, well, okay, that's it. Next time I go grocery shopping at another place, and then I pick up all that other stuff. So a shopping list for me would not just be buy products that I need. It would be where I could get it. And so there are some apps you can get that will help you with grocery shopping where you can actually filter it down. You can look at it in terms of, well, what do I actually need and what are the priorities? Or you can sort it by the name of the grocery store. So I, and I like that, but it could do more. So the idea I had in mind, which is, I was trying to articulate it the other day and it goes, well, what if I say, okay, well, I'm going to go to this grocery store. And, and so I pull up the list and it, it shows me the priorities and whatever other details I want. It, it could have like personal reviews or it could like, 
have a copy of some product website with its own reviews, like just download it into the phone already ahead of time. And uh, maybe it could have my own product notes and my own pictures or whatever the heck. But then what it does is does a breakdown of the actual store itself. And I was joking that it would be really awesome if I walked into the place and it's your phone has GPS. It's GPS that's accurate to one meter and you've got like a compass function in there. Mine really stinks. I think it's my phone, not the functionality. And so you can actually do a crazy arrow where it's like, oh, you, it points you towards this aisle and you're going down this aisle and, and it will be like, hey, it's the product is over here. And this doesn't have to be mapped out to like any sort of official data from the grocery store. Although you know that once this stuff kind of exists, the grocery stores might actually get on board in the same way that like Google Maps actually have, they seem to have relationships with cities to understand bus schedules and they have for some time. And it seems to be really accurate because you can have situations where there's um, construction or something like that. And then they will know, like if you're doing route planning, they'll know if, if there's that delay or they'll know if there's a schedule shift. So I'm not sure what's going on there, but maybe, maybe Google talks to cities and, and like there's some functionality there. Maybe grocery stores would be interested in something like that too. So if they move a product to a different part of an aisle or whatever the heck, they can actually update this, the, the app database. But I think it would be really cool if, and if I walk by, I could take pictures of the, of the aisle. I mean, take, take pictures responsibly. I actually know, uh, of a grocery store where, um, I know a woman that was, that was taking pictures in it and she was actually asked to stop. And I'm not really sure why that would matter because it's not like it's, it's kind of like an open secret. What are they trying to do? Like prevent the competition from arranging their stuff in a similar way. Like what, what could be wrong with that? All grocery stores should be laid out kind of the same because you're trying to help. You're trying to empower your customers to actually go out there and buy your products. So having consistency between all grocery stores is, it can only be a good thing because it will only encourage people to shop and to know where to go. But I mean, I guess it's kind of like uh, theme parks or shopping malls where you want a customer to come in and kind of like wander around and get lost and maybe do as much window shopping as possible. Um, I'm, I'm highly resistant to that, but I do understand the idea of walking down every aisle just in case my, my I forget some of the things like, oh yeah, I wanted to get some granulated garlic or something like that. And maybe I didn't remember. Like, Minion, you were you were making fun of me <laughs> the other day when when I was like really working on a shopping list. And cause I because I was still kind of playing with my phone for stuff like this. So for notes. And the idea is I take notes so that it's not in my brain anymore. It doesn't have to be, because I have way too much going on in my head. And every opportunity I can have to dump out some of that stuff, some of that responsibility out into the, into an app or something like that. It's, it, it's just, it helps me way so much. Now, uh, Minion, while we're talking, could you like run off to the kitchen and press the stop button on the oven? So it doesn't, I don't, I'm not sure what's happening inside, but leave whatever's inside All inside. Right, go. Don't.
So just press stop button and don't look at yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Unless unless you smell burning. Then panic. <laughs> okay, so so Minion was making fun of me for having like for for making this big to-do list. And then we were doing shopping and I'm like and we were swing by something and we're like, oh, I, I should get one of that. And it's like it's not on my list, but I wanted to get it. So I was like, okay, well, do I want this? Do I want like natural peanut butter to be a part of my life? Like so that it goes on a shopping list so that I can prioritize it and maybe I'll always have some on hand. And if it's low priority, it's like, well, do I have the grocery shopping budget or have I already spent a whole lot on working on buying in bulk? I've talked about this before. Groceries is one of the ways that you can dig yourself out of debt. So you start purchasing food in bulk. What that does is that means you have a pantry where you can look at it and you can know you have a whole bunch of food and it reduces food anxiety, which is a really big thing that's out there, especially given the times. And you have everything on hand so that you're not running out of anything and you're not being forced to run out to buy stuff. So if it's not going to expire anytime soon, so most canned goods, well, a lot of uh, things like pasta, even rice lasts a long time, but you need to keep it under certain circumstances. I, I have uh, big bins that I put them in just to make sure that, like, I'm really glad because we had a bug problem this one time, which I could talk about it at some point. And, um, and, and so you can buy a whole lot of food in bulk. It just makes your life more expensive while you're pursuing this. And as soon as you need to, you can relax buying in bulk and you're not going to starve. You can even just not buy groceries that month. And now you have that as quote unquote emergency money. Well, once you get used to paying more in your grocery funding for however many like months on end, at some point you can reduce that because you've already bought in bulk. You already have enough pasta. And unless you're like me and discover that pasta is no good for you, you you've got year like a pasta will last for a year solid uh written on the on the bag or box or whatever it and it'll probably last for a significant amount of time after so awesome so you can definitely keep a whole lot of it on with an understanding of how much you're going to use right so if things vary wildly because you've got a family of however many, so what they feel like eating isn't really on a schedule necessarily. So your buying in bulk is kind of wacky. Uh, you never want to come to a point where you're like, okay, everybody, we're eating like beans and rice for the next week because we have so much of it and I don't want my cans of beans to go bad. Well, because that defeats the purpose of buying in bulk. <laughs> you never want to subject anybody and you don't want to subject yourself to something like that. So, Minion, are you back yet? I've been back for a while. Okay. So, the oven thing didn't work out? I had cancel and then walked away. Excellent. Nothing seemed to be on fire. I'm pretty sure the, the bakeware is going to survive the temperature. I actually had to... I set it all up, then went and I looked online. I'm like, no, no. I, I made assumptions because I don't know what I'm doing. And I went... I went, so I'm, I've got this pierogies on the box. Uh, it says that you can do all this stuff. I'm like, okay, well, I don't have any cheese, so, but I have bacon. <laughs> I got any bacon in my life again. I haven't eaten it in days, and I feel great. I think it's just a rebound from my pasta experience. 
Uh, but I use that energy to actually clean my room. So I had a friend of mine joking that it, it's the cocaine experience. <laughs> but but like, I wouldn't know. <laughs> but okay. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're in a good mood. Begin the momentum. Like drop everything else. <laughs> as soon, and then then you get to experience that that uh, the benefit of having had a good day. Like as soon as you have, if you, as soon as you're feeling great about things, like don't, don't make your day the usual. Don't make it the same as when you're kind of in a terrible mood. Actually take it full advantage of that, that, that wonderful feeling and go and do the, all the interesting, all the important things, like all the stuff that matters to you in life. And then, you know, when, when life gets you down, that's when you kind of go on autopilot and do your everyday stuff. But you're doing your everyday stuff in, a, in an enhanced environment that you created for yourself when you were having, you know, when you're really motivated. And this is very much like the buying in bulk thing where you've prepared an environment for yourself and some emergency happens and you can actually just stop your grocery bill. You've got funding that appears out of nowhere. You're not going to go hungry. Everything's okay. You've got that funding to, I mean, to buy that. So you're investing money into groceries in a sense. You can withdraw from that or cancel it completely for a bit and and have that as a way of saving money. So you have a huge little, like a, it could, it's small, right? But it's an amount of money that you, you can now work on to hammer away a debt first off. Cause if you're in debt, you have negative money. <laughs> like I, I, and people purchase. So there's a, man. Okay. So this is specific to the United States, but I'm sure it exists everywhere. There is an entire class of person and you, the, the, the breakdown of how they spend is examined. I'm actually not sure how these data are collected, but the poverty is a concern internally at the governmental level. I'm, I'm not sure why, because they seem to just throw their money away. So I, I, maybe there are some people that are actually good at heart in government. Shrug, maybe. And so what they do is they look at, at families or individuals. They understand poverty and income and all this kind of stuff. Like, these things are actually important to understand at a really deep level. And one of the things that they examine other than debt is uh, their spending patterns. They're like, well, why, why are these people poor? Like, why are these people not eating as well as they should? Why, why? Well, one of the things they discover is the people who are most poor also purchase a very substantially larger amount of luxury goods than like the middle class. And it's like, well, how is that even a thing? Because it, they have less money. It, it, and as it turns out, it's one of the coping mechanisms. So if you're poor, one of the coping mechanisms is you treat yourself. And like, don't get me wrong. Luxury goods does not mean like buying the, the best car. Luxury goods doesn't mean that kind of stuff. Doesn't mean, uh, well, it, it means like, going out and buying fast food. Like that's a luxury good. We're, I, the world has not yet discovered the consequences of the economic pressures that are coming upon us. We are going to discover just what a quote unquote essential service is. And eating out is not essential. And if you've got no money, you need to not eat out. Period. Like ever again. I'm sorry. 
your your luxury is going to be buying herbs at the grocery store, like terrible quality herbs, and using that in your life. Like a lot of people are going to be going through for a second time the college experience of, of eating next to nothing. And kind of like cheese is a luxury. It really is. And so if you're surviving on pasta and throwing in like a slightly more expensive pasta sauce, that that's a luxury good. So there, there are all these people who they actually spend quite a lot on things that aren't essential just because, because they're poor. Because the poor experience, the, even the when, once you're getting close to the poverty line kind of experience, and there's a lot of people that float around there, you're going to find that there are a lot of people who drink or who smoke. And you can make the argument, okay, well, smoking is an addiction and it's not really a choice, but, but people get there, but people get there because that ends up being a stress altering experience, maybe a stress reducing experience. Same with uh, drinking, which, which is absolutely a non-essential, like absolutely. And I'm, I'm not making any teetotaler argument or anything like that. Um, I happen to not drink, but that never influences my opinion of somebody else drinking. But I do look at it. And if you see somebody who has less money or who's in debt, who drinks, you're like, well, I mean, you can think all highly of yourself. Like, I wouldn't do that kind of stuff fine but but it is observed as fact that people with less money waste quote unquote waste and a lot of people okay a lot of people are like well that's why they're poor okay and it doesn't work like that it does start somewhere and you can make all kinds of arguments like the, it's the it's the regional societal or whatever the heck and that's also not true you you can make all kinds of claims they will all be be false. It's always some combination of stuff like, oh man, statistics really bothers me. I'm so not going to get there right now because I want to go talk about other stuff. Um, yeah. Ooh. Because people's understanding of, of wealth and of, uh, of demographic, so like mo uh, economic demographic, uh, it's just, it's wrong. It's actually technically wrong. And it's not me making some argument of, of either personal experience or some economic understanding from going to school or something like that. It's people, all people professionally or not have comprehend the problem just wrong because it's never skewed towards whatever their ideas of things are. It's always complicated. And as soon as you take individuals, you throw away their humanity and you think of everything as statistics and as demographics, you're, you're doing an incredible disservice to all the individuals that have their individual problems. It's, and that's, that's the problem. It, governments have to think at that level, which is really strange. Local government shouldn't have to. Local government should understand individuals with individual problems. It's not that hard. Like I would love to see politics broken down. So it's, and that's the thing I love to see it at the group level, like the neighborhood level, and then, then neighborhoods interacting and then having that filter up to like a mayor and then the various mayors all collaborate. And then there's like a, a regional person. And then between all the regional 
there would be, uh, so for the United States, it would be state level. For Canada, it would be provincial level. And that's how the politics filters up. But right, right down at the bottom, you might think it's inefficient. But honestly, what kind of representation are you going to get if it's just some mayor somewhere and then some governor somewhere? And, and there are very few circumstances where you can go down to the mayor's house unless you've got a really small town kind of thing. And so that it, the problem is once you're talking neighborhood levels, like, well, you can kind of arrange that in certain ways, just figure it out, like shrug, who cares kind of thing, but make it so people can visit and there can be regular meetings and stuff like that. But the problem is, boy, are you going to get a lot of small town stuff. Like people that have experienced the homeowners association experience understand completely that there's always the busybody sorts and they have no time slash like this becomes, well, they do have time, right? Those people do have time they don't. So participation happens from these people that are highly interested. It's, and those highly interested people are not, are not necessarily the ones who are competent at voicing the concerns of the, the region. So in homeowners, in a homeowners association, there are all these busybodies and some of them are, are rules lawyers, which is a tabletop role-playing concept. Uh, they're rules lawyers. So they're like, well, your curtains are the wrong color. Well, this and this. And it's, it's like you left a soccer ball in your front lawn overnight. And that's against bylaw number. Uh, I can imagine neighborhood level stuff being that bad. And that's a problem that would need to be really deeply thought about. And that problem would have to be overcome before some strange, differently collective variation of politics comes out. This is something I could think about. This show is not about politics, uh, but I will talk about the individual economics because, uh, I mean, it, you, you and your life and your motivation, getting yourself out of debt is probably the, your economic sovereignty is, is about as important as anything, because if you're in debt and if you're if you are paying interest, that's slavery. Some percentage of your income goes not to you in any sense, but to some body somewhere else. You are literally working for nothing, which is slavery. And people don't understand this. Like, why is compound interest legal? <laughs> your economic freedom is essentially your, your, the freedom of your time it's, it's your, <laughs> like being tied economically, being employed, being forced to be employed because life is more expensive because of somebody else. All these other, there are nuances that are just unfair to everyday people and most especially to, to like to the poor. And so if you have to think about if you are in debt, you are poor. I don't care what your income is. You're poor. You have negative money. And yes, if you've got a mortgage you're poor. And all that stuff has to be paid off and you have to be free and clear before you can declare yourself a sovereign human being. You are a slave if you have debt and you have interest on that debt that is compound. And that's specific. Regular interest, if that's even a thing anymore, is fine. That That's an agreement you make where, you, you know, you go to your shark and you say, well, I need X money. And they go, okay, well, I can give you X money up front, but you're going to pay me X money plus a little bit as, as the thank you. 
to for this for this potential and and that's fine that's a free relationship that you're welcome to go into however if it becomes an ongoing responsibility for you to continue working for them for free not just for that thank you tip then then it's a really huge problem um so i haven't actually finished talking about the pierogies thing i love being derailed it's so exciting so I'm I'm adding. You mean constant? Hmm? It's I wouldn't say you're being derailed as you just ramble off. Well, I have no problems attaching my voice to my brain, and this the podcast experience, and soon enough the live streaming experience, is is made far more interesting to viewers, and so we have people that are watching who. Then maybe they'll have me in the background, and that's part of the problem. If I'm interesting, I can't be in the background, which which is just going to be torture. Which I'm probably going to be perfectly fine with. Like how many, how many like games streamers could actually talk meaningfully about anything ever? Have you? Are they even adults? <laughs> like there are people who are streaming who are in their thirties, let's say, right? And we would call that a quote unquote adult. And they're making money. Like, in some cases, this is a job. It's a bad job. And I could talk about why that's bad. Uh, and again, it's it's an economics thing. Um, but they're, it's just fluff constantly. So I like the, the fact that I'm learning to uh, attach. So there's stream of consciousness. It, there's a writing style for that. Uh, it's a garbage writing style. And those people should feel bad about themselves. But the notion can be matured into something where the, the writing, or in my case, the thinking and the speaking, is intelligible. So there are, there are trains of thought, even if they go off where they go off. Train of thought is not the right um, kind, of, kind of thinking tool for this, right? Because train of thought, the notion is that there could be a path and you just go off someplace else. This has no path in the first place. Like, unless you want to say that my bullet points in some notes is a path, it's kind of not. It's a prompt, so I never have stuff to run out of talking about, right? So uh, there's no train. It's just, it's just, it's a balloon being, being buffeted about in the wind kind of thing. Um, so yeah, so, so the pierogies thing, uh, the uh, baking it in the oven is something that I just assumed I could do. So I, I'm looking at the box and it goes, you know, blah, 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 add your own cheese. I'm like, I have no cheese, but I have bacon. So I threw bacon on top and like, okay, well, like bacon is now a vegetable. There's feta, which you could have done. Okay. So I don't know if it was a good idea, but well, the first, the problem is, uh, I, feta is a very strong taste. And so it may not be appropriate for this. And I was actually using pretty potent, pretty spicy sauce. Uh, second is I'd have to ask you, I don't, I'm not like, oh man, you ever, if anybody has ever like lived with some, somebody like, so for example, if you don't own the property and uh, somebody else is renting the next room over, but you're sharing your fridge, like it's, it's like the office fridge thing. It's like the, it's the, your food is vulnerable. It's not a thing really in Canada at all that I've ever heard of, but there are those businesses where they're kind of, they're kind of awful for stuff like that. I would never put myself in a circumstance where I would like graze through somebody else's food. Again, it's a food security thing. There's, I have moved from places 
because the one person grazed on another person's food. And I just went, nope, a solidarity. I'm also moving out of this place. There's that you, you don't touch my food ever. Like there's a whole class of stuff that you, I will not accept somebody else going there. And I end up, it's, it's hard for me to understand somebody that works different from me. And I think the same is true for everybody with everybody else. And so the, having the standing acceptance of something like, like stealing condiment, having that be there is still something I'm not comfortable with. And I, I will never give that in return. Uh, um, I want everybody to always ask me every single time they want to like have my ketchup. Right. And it sounds really odd for some people because they go from like living with their parents to living with other people. And they assume that everything works the same way. It's like, no, maybe you're not an adult yet because you go like work and you've got all this free money, but you don't understand something like digging yourself out of debt or whatever. So you have people that are grownups that still have their student debt that still act that now act like they're rich because they have a job. What's well, like, no, you, you're poorer than you were at school because at school you were collecting more and more of a debt. Now you got the full thing plus interest plus probably compound interest. And so, so they act and they spend in, in really strange ways. And one of the things they, they act like they're still with their, their parents or still with their, their university buddies or something like that, where they will all, they will, there's this kind of commune. It's like, like, no, I'm not sharing my toothpaste. What? what he, I'm going to throw the entire tube out and no, no, you can't have it. I'm throwing it out as protest. It's still my property. No, you can't have any. It's just, no, you can't even fish it out of the garbage bin. I will, I will squeeze the tube out in the toilet. I'll do it in front of you. No, just no. And, and so I would, it would never even occur to me to like, to steal somebody's cheese. Like cheese, again, cheese is a luxury, man. And that's still in my head. And that's still in my head because I have good taste for cheese. I have bad taste for a lot of stuff, but cheese is the one thing that I have good taste in because although I was not raised Dutch, I did experience uh, the, the Dutch. So in the Netherlands is where Gouda comes from. And uh, so I had a very specific kind of good. It's actually hard to find in a lot of places, but you're going to have, you're going to have that one cheese aisle that's right next to your, your terrible yogurt and your eggs and stuff like that. And, but it's some, somewhere else. Maybe it's like a little island somewhere near your, uh, what, what's it called? Like where they have all your luncheon meat in the giant blocks that you have to get shaved for you. Uh, it's like going to be over there where your good cheeses are. And if you want to make a really good sandwich, that's where you go. You don't go to like the aisle that has uh, the terrible beef jerky sticks and the the bologna and the pre-sliced cheese and the blocks of cheddar. You don't you don't go there. You go to this other little place, and sometimes you can go to like a separate. It's a separate store, and they just like a delicatessen. That's the word I'm looking for. I don't know what it would be called in a grocery store context, um, but you go there and they have the nice cheeses. But even if you go there, you go through and it's got a bunch of like really expensive cheese. They won't have the kind of Gouda I like. 
So, I mean, I have really good taste in Gouda. It's something called, uh, well, you might just generically call it Dutch spiced Gouda, but it's got cumin in it, which might, I guess that sounds really weird for other people, but I absolutely love it. It's a, I mean, maybe I would call it a lightly roasted cumin that's put in there. It's, it's really good. So I've had, uh, I've had a few different kinds of like, Herbs and spices are different depending on freshness and depending on stuff. And so the cumin experience, I bought a bunch of it in bulk from an, an Indian place because cumin is really, really big in a lot of Indian dishes. Uh, I, India is a big place and there's a lot of dishes. So saying Indian dish doesn't really mean anything. So I'm, I just know it's one of the things that's stocked up in some culture, some subculture within India. And, but but I found one of these specialty stores run by Indians who import stuff from India and otherwise have a bunch of stuff that they really like in their dishes, personally. So I went and bought cumin from these guys because you could buy in a big bag. And it's terrible. It's terrible because it, it tastes green. And even if I uh, like pan fry it with some oil, which is a little hard, actually. Uh, you know, mom used to roast this in a ladle over uh over the uh, like electric burner and uh i can't really reproduce that maybe i don't have the right ladle <laughs> but little pan and just make absolutely sure moisture doesn't get anywhere near it or it'll you will burn yourself it'll sputter everywhere but it it's bad so like getting good cumin is hard so but i have this love for it and i have this love for this cheese and it's bloody expensive cheese like really expensive and I mean, of course it's imported and it's cheese. And so that's the kind of stuff that I would love to put on a pasta or something like this. But, uh, when the cheese you sprinkle on your dish is more expensive than the dish, it's, it's a little weird. Uh, so I wouldn't want to have a really good dish, like a really, really high quality recipe in order to really just add that extra bit and have the cheese. The problem is I can just I can, I can eat cheese like it's cheese. I can just take the brick of cheese and eat it and <laughs> just chew on it and eat it like it's cookies. And, uh, it's just cause I'm like that. And at, at any rate, uh, feta is a very sharp, very dominating taste that I wouldn't want to put on a casserole, partly because of the taste, but partly because I'm not sure how it would react and melt, for example, but I'm also not, um, but also because it's expensive. Like, it, it is actually expensive. Um, it's expensive and it's somebody else, somebody else's stuff. So I wouldn't do that. But, uh, so I did kind of want this, this experience, but I put bacon on top. I put bacon on top because, as I've said before, I need bacon. Now, I haven't had it in a little while, but I'm not going to assume that everything's going to be okay. I'm going to put back bacon back into my life. Um, so I just threw strips on top like it was cheese. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll throw it in. I'll just bake it. Uh, apparently, that's not the correct thing to do. See, the problem with with being smart is sometimes you think you're smart, and and you're and and maybe it's the weirdest experience being like, I understand this stuff already. And but in reality, no. And reality slapped me because when I opened, like, I finished my 25 minutes at 250 degrees in the oven. I opened the oven door. It's not cooked because it's bacon and bacon requires some pretty serious heat. I don't know what that heat is because I'm used to just pan frying it. I went, okay, well, I did something wrong. So I turned up the heat a bit, 
but I don't know what heat to use. So I went and looked at recipes. I should have done that in the first place, but they were all recipes for like, uh, oven frying it open on the rack with like tin foil, one shelf down and, and all this kind of stuff. And all of those temperatures, I'm like, oh, 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Well, does my cookware do that? Because that sounds like a big number. I think my cookware can do that. And I go and I check. I'm like, oh, like I go to Starfruit and I look to see what their pots are rated at. Like, oh, nowhere near that. Oops, run upstairs, turn it down, run downstairs. Wait a second. Does bacon really need to be at that temperature? Like, oh, well, let me look at a... I want, it's, it's like in the joke in the, well, okay, it's not a joke. So in the United States, they, they go to one doctor and the doctor says, like, here's $30,000 and whatever the heck, you have a cough. You need this stuff. And they're like, well, second opinion. So they go someplace else. And uh, like for, for getting braces or something like that, right? Now, for me, for the recipe, I went, well, maybe, and I go and I look at a different recipe. And this other recipe is like 350, I'm like 350. That's good. That's good. My, my bakeware can do like, like 392. That's a really specific number. That's 200 Celsius. That's, so that's why. And uh, I'm just thinking in terms of Fahrenheit, because I don't want to fiddle with my oven and have it tell me things in Celsius, uh, partly because uh, it doesn't really matter too much but partly because other people use it and other people will read things in Fahrenheit as well. So like I'd have to, I'm not going to make the decision on behalf of other people. It would be kind of a household decision to set the oven to be, it's like setting your thermostat one way. And it's for some reason, it has to be a setting buried in a menu or some function with multiple keys and stuff like that. And so it's not convenient for the next user of the thing to switch it to the, the temperature type they like. Uh, so I just leave it at, at freedom units and just walk away. So my house is like, my house has to be below 80 degrees Fahrenheit in the summertime, right? Or I'll die. <laughs> just, just I'll die. Our, 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 uh, air conditioning broke down one year. I'm like, well, I guess I'm living in the bathtub for a while. And I know they're going to be listeners. Like, I know we've got, some, I've got a friend in Texas who'd be like, what? It's, it's more than that in the shade. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And I'm, I don't understand how humans survive down there. Sorry. I'm, I'm never, I can't even visit. <laughs> I can't even visit him. <laughs> this is never going to happen. Um, I have to wait until winter when it snows. It kind of snows like once. <laughs> once a generation there is snow i'm surprised they don't have like fairy tales with that like 1800s fairy tales that talks about like like mythologically has snow stories and something like that this one time when it was slightly damp and white out like little billy and jane got lost in the they don't have forests there do they man man some places in the united states are just odd anyway we're coming up, up on a break, and uh, when we come back, I'll probably talk about potato salad <laughs> well, well, until I'm done with food. Uh, so we'll be back in about, uh, what, 17 oh, minutes. Okay. <laughs> See you then. All right. Well, we're back. We are indeed back. This is uh, 2020, 09, 27, episode number 22. 
So hello, lurkers and bots. I guess this is the food episode because I want to talk about that uh, the prairies that I pulled out of the oven. And I guess the bacon is done. It changed color. It tastes pretty good. I mean, it's, it was in there at the wrong temperature for like almost a half an hour and then at the right temperature. But the thing is, it wasn't on a grill. It wasn't like frying in the oven. And there's plenty of moisture that was there coming up from the pasta sauce and all this stuff. But it's good and I haven't died yet. So, you know, I, I'm not going to do it like this again. I'm probably going to um, bake it separately. Bake it in. I don't, I don't think I would notice if you died. <laughs> I'd just be in my... It's like, hey, I, I, haven't, I haven't seen him around. I feel strangely free. What is this weird feeling? <laughs> well, it's like my bondage has been lifted. Like, Master, it's given me socks and died. Um, I... So... I'm eating it. I've tried it. It's, it's okay. I mean, I don't like bacon, <laughs> but it's okay. It actually is a pasta experience, but it's, it's potatoes. So the pierogies are potatoes with cheese inside. So there's my cheese. I suppose can't taste it. The sauce, I can't also can't really taste it. It's not, there is sauce. It's tomatoey, but it absolutely does not have anything like the spice it had before. Like if it was just a pasta sauce, even if it was a pasta sauce that, that was, mixed with pasta and refrigerated. So, so, uh, so yeah, I, I mean, it, it's good. It's good. I think I can add this. I mean, I've got like 10 cans left of the pasta sauce, so I can, I'm going to run out of pierogies before I run out of sauce. So I'm going to do this some more. I, I think I do like the pierogies pan fried. I pan fry them in ghee. This is, this is Indian style clarified butter. Um, I'm too lazy to make the clarified butter myself. Uh, but it's great because I've had it for like a couple of months. I just, I, I just bought this huge, huge jar. This, I don't know what you call it because it's jars are like glass. So it's one of these big plastic things. And I just transferred it to Mason jars. Those are glass. And I, I still have, I still have a, a little, oh man, like 250 milliliter, uh, like the miniature size of uh, Mason jars. And at any rate, at any rate, it's pierogies are much better when they're nice and crispy that way. Uh, it's much better to use ghee than something. I only have olive oil. I don't cook with anything else ever. Um, and olive oil has a low smoking point. And olive oil is not appropriate for doing a lot of frying related stuff. So it doesn't work with pierogies because it's going to smoke if you're not careful and all this kind of stuff. And good, good olive oil has a taste has a flavor to it. It doesn't tend to uh, really include itself in a meal, but if it's on the surface of pierogies, then you're going to have a little bit of the taste before you get into even the, uh, the, the shell of it. The, the, I guess the skin of it is wheat. Um, I'm not sure. And the inside is, it's maybe the outside is actual potato. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to look this up because I, I might, I don't know if I have a gluten thing or if it's, just pasta or if it or what the heck is going on but i have to start cutting out some entire class of food i'll talk to i talked to a dietitian at this one point and and she's like shrug <laughs> i have no idea but if you don't die it's okay but you know know yourself and uh, understand how to so it's it's a bunch of waffling uh, a shrug like I, I don't like going to a professional, having the professional use a bunch of words. I just want that person to go, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. And then start it from there. And it goes, I don't know, but, 
but everybody acts a little differently. And if you learn this about yourself and yeah, I'll talk to some people and they're actually like that. They're actually open and honest and other, other professionals are like, they'll, it's like they want to seem smart. <laughs> it, it just doesn't matter to me. I'll just give them the deadpan stare. <laughs> like, please, please stop talking down to me. It's confusing. <laughs> please. They can't talk up to me because they know more than me. That's why I'm going to somebody. Uh, while I'm there, I totally want to share this perspective. So there's something called the wealthy perspective. And it's something that gets instilled upon the the youths, the children of the already wealthy. So the, this is old gold stuff. This is this is people that are born into money. What's, what's the expression? These are trust fund babies. And there's an actual perspective in there that says uh, when... When you go to somebody like a doctor or a lawyer, to anybody, always keep in mind that you're not going there for their help per se. They are there to serve you. A, a, it's at a restaurant. The, the staff are there for you. It's, it's never going to be the other way around. You're never going to go to, to a, a doctor, to some professional, and want their help like that. That's not the the perspective. The perspective is you're hiring that person, they're performing a service for you. So get the most out of it. Right? So you you go to a doctor that the doctor is on staff for you. It is one of your employees. Take advantage of all that expertise. And so ask all the questions you've got, get all the, you know, get on top of that and take and get the most of it. And a lot of people are the other way around. They have a kind of poor perspective where they see these as, as grand oracles that they go to to appease for their for the advice. When that's they're not going to get as much as they could, they're going to ask little mouse questions, little things, and not get the full advantage of the wealth of knowledge that could be possible if they were just bold enough to... It's not diminishing somebody else's potential to think of them as an employee. The, uh, your doctor is literally your employee because you are, well, it's a little weird in Canada. So in the United States, you are paying the salary. You're actually paying a fee to be, but it serve is really not quite the right word, but it's the, it's the word we can map over, except we, we map it over to like a restaurant server and stuff like that. And that's absolutely not the case. Like you, you never want to insult the amount of effort and even money slash debt that, that some professional has gone through in order to be good enough to work for you. <laughs> At any rate, that's, that's, what was this? I was talking about potatoes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Speaking of potatoes, um, I, there's this potato salad that I fell in love with. So I'm, I'm buying a lot of it because, and I'm looking at the ingredients and it's just, they're all good ingredients. Like there's no, there's no nasty, unpronounceable stuff in this potato salad. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to... Minion, you know me. There we have... <laughs> I have none left. Already? I know. <laughs> we went two days ago. Exactly. Was it two days ago? Two, three days ago, and you bought two tubs. Yeah, and they're two... I think they're 1.2 kilogram. So that would be what? Like two pounds? Two and a half pounds? Something like that? A good amount either way. Per container. <laughs> Right. So I, I literally ate bowls of them. Now I ate them because I liked it. 
And I, I ate them all before I looked at the ingredients, which was a good thing. You know, I liked it. So fingers crossed, I'm going to eat it all. <laughs> then I'm going to discover it's, if it's bad for me or not. I didn't want my, my, I didn't want to eat it just because I had to finish it and know that it was bad for me. Okay. And it, it was, it's still bad for you because it's got like mayonnaise in it, which is not the best. Two containers and then you read it. Uh, yeah, yeah. So so I did things a little bit backwards just because I didn't want to waste the food. It turns out they were, I think they were less than, just a little bit less than $9 for that each. So I have no problems making that a part of my life again. I will be buying that every single time we go back, go go past that particular grocery store. And the the reason I went overboard, it, first off, it's, it's my personality to actually eat a whole lot of a thing that I'm exposed to if I like it and until I'm out. And uh, I'm hoping to overcome this quirk one day, but it doesn't really matter. At any rate, it, it was important to experience this. It doesn't matter. I can quit any time. I can slow down my habit. I can quit the potato salad. Tilting head. <laughs> shake, shake. Tilting head. Uh so in this in this particular case, what I was exploring is a replacement staple, because uh, pasta was to be a staple, and I can't, I can't eat it anymore. I don't think I can eat it anymore, even as a side. Partly because I don't think I can have it as a side, just because of my nature, right? I don't know how to eat just a little bit of something. I just make a meal of the thing. Now, and I was thinking casseroles and stuff like that for the pasta, and I could have variation, but I can't. I'm cutting it right out. There might be nuances that I don't understand, but I'm just cutting it out right now. So I was looking at replacing it with other things. I suspect rice is no good for me because I had this amazing, it's called dal in rice. Uh, so what it is, is it's uh, lentils that have been essentially boiled down into a paste if it's done right. And I add a uh, roasted cumin in it. It's really good. It's really simple. And I just put that on rice. And uh, that was a part of my diet. And I think I had some mood issues associated with that. So again, I think, so something's weird. That could be something separate for all I know, but I'm not going to go back there. Uh, Minnie and I probably have a huge bag of rice for you too, but at least you eat rice. But this is basmati. So that might be a little weird for you because it has flavor. It's not as bad as brown basmati, which which will dominate a dish unless you really know what you're doing. I gave this to a French chef that I knew and he's like, he tried it. He tried it a meal and went, Hmm. And gave me the bag back. <laughs> I, I defeated him. But I mean, this is an Indian dish and you're giving it to a, a French chef. It's like shrug. What does he know about this particular ingredient? He tried, went like, I, I don't know. It would pair really well with Indian food, obviously, because this is kind of the popular stuff there. It would pair really well because you've got really potent sauces that float on the rice, whereas the stuff that this guy was used to is uh, like the pilaf. It, it would soak into the rice and it would it would enhance the flavor of the rice. It wouldn't do it, it, the sauces would not be meant to dominate over the rice as such. Uh, but in the the Indian use of it, absolutely. And, and you'd have like chicken or something like that with it. And at any rate, at any rate. So I wanted to see if potato was something that I could replace as a staple. Um, I have not felt so good in so long. Now, I'm not sure if that's just a rebound because, you know, I, I feel bad. And then there's the natural upswing after 
quitting, quote unquote, quitting the pasta, uh, there's the natural swing up. And it's just like getting, so if you, if you have an off day, you know, you come back from work, you had a terrible day, drama in your life, whatever the heck, you know, it rains on your parade. The, when you get back to normal from going down to being normal seems like a massive boost. And, and, and I was thinking to myself earlier that you must, when that happens, you must take the fullest advantage of that that is humanly possible. Like, stop doing your everyday boring stuff. Like, you go back to normal, but, and normal would mean boring. Normal would be coasting. Normal would be whatever. Don't go back to that. Go back, like, f- even though technically speaking, everything is just normal again, feel that shift in perspective and take it as something and really... So I've talked about the 80-20 time, and I'll just keep doing that because that's a philosophy in life that's important for everybody. Think of those moments as being 20-80 time instead. And just just use that as the time to absolutely optimize as much of your life as possible, like go cleaning, whatever the heck. At any rate, the I don't know if it's a potato salad or if it's that little rebound, but but it was absolutely incredible. I, I got back to writing, and it's been... <laughs> Wow, it's been like eight months since I've... You sound a bit energetic. Hmm? You sound a bit happy. Well... Energetically happy. Well, I mean, right now I'm I'm not, I'm not what I was even. I hadn't, I wasn't interacting with you like a couple of days ago when I was really doing this and really cleaning and really, you know, all this kind of thing. So you don't know half, you don't know the half of it. So if I actually correct my mood, like... I, how do I, how do I say this? So I'm, I don't intend to either be arrogant about myself or to be disrespectful for others. Okay. So now obviously I can disrespect you minion because you have no respect for yourself, etc. So I'm just agreeing with you. So we understand concepts like smart. Now our, the general understanding that humanity has is wrong for this kind of stuff. So I'm not actually talking about these kinds of things. I'm comparing you to yourself. Like I'm, each individual listener, you should compare yourself with yourself, not with other people. Because, you know, individuals are a thing. Like how, how much do I have to stress? Like stop. man demographic trends especially when comparing things like aptitude is the most unhealthy thing that a person could ever do it's it's ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous and so i i want you to imagine that so i'm judging myself for myself i'm not comparing me to other people so when i correct my diet i get smarter okay now now, people don't understand something like IQ at all, especially the people that invented the concept and test for it. And as reliable as it is, it's it's a horrifying concept that nobody likes. It, it just happens to be testably real, which is really inconvenient. But I understand, like, <laughs> smart people invented the IQ test. Hmm, how strange is that? so of course it's going to be weird and skewed and they have a massive blind spot but you know yourself so i know myself i went i'm dumb i'm i I, it's like a disability when i eat the wrong food my brain didn't work live on air i was talking about the subject 
understanding the subject and still subject to the thing. And I went off and got mad. Like in literally in the middle of the stream, I, I cut out some like last show, which is going up today. I think the pre the, the that particular show, I think it's episode 17, something like this is going up live to, right now. And, uh, I, I had tomorrow. to, sorry, tomorrow it's okay. So it's going up tomorrow. I actually had to clip out, like I almost swore like this kind of stuff. Uh, I was really, I was really mad. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's a strange thing to have this kind of blind spot. You can know a thing, you can have it written down, but actually enacting it in life, uh, it turns out to be, it, it turns out that you can know something like deep in your heart, but actually enacting it in the world is a really difficult thing as it turns out. And why? Who knows, right? Who knows? And it's just something that a person matures into, hopefully, hopefully. I mean, it didn't for me, and I've kind of known something was weird for a while. At any rate, I, it's, it's, I was dumb. Like, I, I probably would have been testably, test, well, I would say testably lower IQ. So for, uh, that's not the right perspective. So it would be, uh, I can't remember what the other word is. Like, <laughs> without getting weird. Okay, so men are dumb around women. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if anybody's figured that out yet. I think everybody knows this, but we don't really want to talk about it. But men are testably dumber than women. Dumber than dumber around women. It's it's kind of an awful thing. Um, at any rate, uh, I could I could have been testably dumber at that point. But the uh, the bounce back, it's it's like having multiple points of IQ added on, and it's the most odd experience. Like everything brightens. All your plans make sense. You can write down all your notes. You can pursue all your goals. And I suppose this is one of the components of drug addiction. Okay. And I, I, I know where I just went. Okay. So motivation in life presents these opportunities, these, these, it's not enlightenment because that's not what people think, but these, these moments of clarity can happen to a person and there is a sort of high is not the right word, like high in a spiritual sense. Okay, fine. Okay. That that's probably a healthier perspective. There is a kind of, uh, of uplifting experience and it is right next to addiction, right? It's in fact, it might be a healthy perspective to entertain that. Th that's kind of the darker side of things. Um, as weird as it sounds, the, the, the darkness kind of rises with that, that enlightened feeling. Now, so you, you play in the dark a little bit to make that mood change, that excitement change, that essentially what is an IQ change. So, so you do something, you break off that toxic relationship and you feel really good all of a sudden, because you really were dumb for a while or damaged or whatever. And then that high that happens, it may just be back to normal, but there's almost a moment when you can reach through into that little shaded area and make it an addicting experience. And something like that has to happen in order to take the positive things in your life and actually reinforce them. And this is why people have mantras and things like this that 
that are meant to help reinforce, like, uh, humans are animals. Like, I understand the idea of us being enlightened and all this kind of stuff. That's, that's a wonderful illusion. Uh, and we've got a lot of things that are unique and special to us. Fine. Like, I don't, I don't really care, but we, we have the ability to modify ourselves by will. Whether or not that happens externally or not, boy, is that a, a deep, dark conversation that I don't want to have ever because, because trying to explain that things are nuanced and gray is really upsetting to far too many people, but you know yourself. And so you can train yourself. You can, there are several weird notions of perspective that you can have with yourself where, and one of them is that you are essentially this this dumb thing that you have to train to act in certain ways. And you do that by finding those good moments, seeing the rest of your life being whatever inefficient, a disaster for all that matters. And then being like, okay, well, <laughs> and what you do is you shape your life with that hopefully 2080 time, like hopefully that moment of, of passion and make your life better for your future self. Now, that, that, which usually means cleaning up the disaster of your past self, which, which never, which maybe it was a hundred percent zero thing where you had absolutely no brain space. You were never in a good place to actually optimize anything to fix your life. You were just surviving. So when you find that moment of clarity, take that to undo all that damage and, and set up some tiny little molehill for your for your future self to improve upon hopefully just kind of start that going forward at any yes this is totally related to potatoes <laughs> I, it actually is how very strange okay anyhow moving on from food well, for you it's related to potatoes for others it's a bit different i suppose for others it could like for you it's as simple as when you when your sleep is fixed it needs to stay fixed forever. You're going to find benefits that are going to happen, such as not bothering other people who are trying to sleep, right? You're going to find these benefits. You need to latch onto them kind of like a life preserver and keep that going forward as an accomplishment for your future selves. And there's a lot of stuff that you would do. You, you do the work. Oh, it's raining out. I can't do this stuff. Do it anyway. Suffer. Because your future self is going to thank you for doing that for it, right? And you have experienced, I had you experience the cloning concept so you can be introduced to your past selves. You just need to keep that going and learn that your present self is the servant of your future self and that you are, you are creating all of the resources that you, that that person is going to need. You are a, a servant to all the passions, all the hopes and dreams of that other person. And that when that's done, you will begin inheriting all those things. All these things will already be done for you. Like you will have had a servant for you, constantly helping you from a past, from the past of your timeline. And it, you will have two of you three of you. And so if you, if you do the bed thing one day, right? Like I, I get to laugh at you 
every single night that I go to sleep, I will laugh at you in my head because I accomplished something in no time flat and you're still dreaming about it, right? I went from giving you the idea and letting you start working on it to like, hey, maybe I should do this myself and then doing it and then benefiting from it. And now my future selves going forward has, like I said, six square feet of floor space more that I can now like, I have a treasure chest that I can actually bring out from, from storage under my desk collecting dust. I should, have I ever taught, I haven't talked on this, on uh, the show about my treasure chest. I totally could. Oh man. Yeah. That's exciting. Okay. So when I was a kid, I've always wanted to have a treasure chest, not necessarily like a pirate treasure chest, but you know, totally a pirate treasure chest. And one of the things you could do is so back in my day, we, we had like debit and credit cards, but we didn't. We didn't rely on it in the same sense as is now. And so we still had cash and coins and Canada got rid of the penny, for example. But uh, it was, coins were very much in use back then. Cash was still very much in use. And so one of the things that I did, which which was the most wonderful experience, is you, you ritualize. So I had the water, the cup experience, which is if you want to drink more water to be healthier, if you want to provide for your future self, give him or her a, a solid, healthy body. Like if you want to have that yourself now, you have to make that for yourself, for your future self. And one of the ways of, say, drinking more water is ritualizing it. So you get a special cup that is yours for water. Maybe it's hard to get. Maybe it's expensive, whatever. It's the thing for that task. And then you, then you do it. So I got a thing for the task of collecting the shiniest coins I could. And it, it wasn't judging. It was just beautiful brand new coins. And the, the, the dollar, the loonie in Canada, the $1 coin came out and they were all shiny new. It had been around for a little while. So you get dull ones, but there were beautiful newly minted coins. And then later the $2 coin, the two, the toonie, which I was crossing my fingers, fingers. I really hoped that people would start calling it the doubloon <laughs> because it's a double loony because it's $2, but no, uh, that stinks. And I was kind of hoping that people would call like the 2000s, the noughties, because uh, in Britain they call zero naught. At any rate, at any rate. So I, I collected kind of a treasure chest of all these beautiful brand new coins. At, at one point I ended up spending them all because I was, you know, I was moving and I didn't want to have this weight around. And so I had like a little, it was, it was okay. So I'm a, I'm a big guy. So if you were to open your hand flat with your fingers together, uh, I had a container that was bigger than that. Uh, it was made of bone. And so it was, it was a beautiful, like, from Africa, fair trade container with a lid and it was full of shiny, shiny coins. And I could open it and go like, oh, it was, it was a thing. It was like a little, not quite a pirate, pirate's chest, but it was something I made that I invested in that, that has a, a feeling attached to it. Okay. And that's one thing. But what I ended up doing is I always want to have the equivalent, but having it in a tabletop role-playing sense which is I have a chest. I literally got a chest is it's hilarious, but it's not a chest chest. It's just like a little square. I could sit on it. Right. But it's got a little opening uh, panel at the top with a hinge that it can hang open. And I filled it with dice, not like I they're in packs, but, 
but dice and I got, I, I started, I ended up shopping with a lot of stuff in China and then ended up kind of developing a relationship with one of the manufacturers to get more of a certain issue of, of dice that I, I got like a random pack from a place and went, Oh, cause some of them were just, I knew when you get a random collection of stuff from somewhere, you know, most of it's going to be garbage, right? That's how they get rid of some of the stuff. But, but you don't want necessarily to spend all the money because we're not all that rich. You don't necessarily want to spend all the money to, to just look at all of one thing and buy a lot of this and this and this and this. Getting a variety pack would let at least let you see some of the rarer things without spending entirely on a pack of those rare things. And I'll totally get into that in a sec. Now, so I bought variety and then went, whoa, this particular one is just beautiful. Like kind of uh, the mother of pearl look to it. And I, I went shopping through the place and shopping through the place and went, I can't find this anywhere, anywhere in the entire like AliExpress, right? I ended up contacting the manufacturer of the variety pack and giving pictures and be like, do you have more like of this? Like how do I, <laughs> and it's one of those well, you might think that this is a strange thing to do. Like you're contacting some big company somewhere, but that company works for me. That's not the perspective that I had in my head, but it's just the thing that I happen to act out in the world. It's just some guy. Like I have contacted musicians. I have contacted plenty of like just the company and it, they're just people at the other end. They might be big and powerful and important and all this stuff, but you know, I will, I will call that, I will call that store, I will call that whatever the heck. Not a big deal. Um, okay, so I did that. I ended up getting uh, a lot of this, a lot of dice in like little bags. And some of them are really rare. Some of them are really expensive. And I'm not even, like, I don't know that we're going to do in-person tabletop role-playing anytime again soon, which is such a shame. Uh, and I don't know that I'll do it online. And... So I've got that and I'm like, okay, well, I legit want actual treasure now. So I started buying artificial gems and, uh, and unfortunately a lot of them turn out to be glass, which is something that I'm learning. There's actually water droplet tests that you can do to, to learn if something is glass or not. And I double check that this is true because I have a really, really nice watch that has a uh, one, one of the panes of glass on. So, so. It's one of these watches where you can see the mechanics if you flip it over. You can see the actual, um, the, the well, mechanics is the right word, actually. So you can see all the gears and stuff as it's operating. It's pretty common now. It was kind of cool and rare at the time. And, and it's got, you know, the glass on either side. So you can see the back and, and obviously so you can see the face of it. But one of them is sapphire, is actual sapphire. And the, the other turns out to be glass. So the one facing your wrist is just glass because it doesn't get scratched because it's on your wrist. And the other is sapphire. And <laughs> I know it's sapphire because I, I put this thing down face first because it's sapphire. And uh, the stainless steel is scratched, but the sapphire isn't. That's how durable this stuff is. So I can put it down and I'd be more worried about scratching the surface than I would about the sapphire because it's just the only thing that gets harder than it is... Uh, effort, like pinpricks and effort of, of stuff. You can scratch anything if you just try and then diamond. And, uh, I tend to not bump into diamonds, so not a big deal. You know, I'm, 
unless some unless I'm pairing some violent lady with her diamond wedding ring, I'm I'm probably okay. Um, so I can actually water droplet on both sides, and the one on the sapphire, the water beads up and does not get it wet. I can just drip, look at it, and it will just bead up completely, and I can tilt, and it will just run off with no droplets because it will the water will more stick to itself, so it'll actually instead of having the snail trail of water droplets behind it, it will absorb the snail trail rather than let it go. So it does that and it just runs off. It's really easy to see. And if you put a droplet on the other side, it, it won't beat up so much. If you tilt it, it'll leave a little trail of water. So that's how you can tell the difference between sapphire and glass. And so you can do that on an artificial gem if it's large enough and it's if it's got that one facet that's big enough for you to put a drop on. You can tell. And and so I've done that and I've but the thing is you shake it around. I've got I do have like they're little, but they're the actual in the shape of treasure chests. And I'll I'll fill one with gems. It's a little expensive, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do that with at least one. Yeah, but it rattled around and it, it chipped a bunch of them. They're all glass. Of course they're all glass. If it was sapphire on sapphire, it wouldn't shatter like that. It, you wouldn't have little corners broken off. Uh, if it's glass, yeah. Yeah, it did, which is a shame. Now, you can go to thrift stores and you can buy like old rings and old necklaces and stuff like that. Some of them are really cheap. Maybe it's made of uh, uh, steel or something like that. It's just some ornamental thing. And uh, it just, it looks cool. So you can have that in a pile. And the idea is you can have your players running out and their characters defeat the bad guy and, and get the treasure and you can have actual treasure for them. So I had this kind of idea in mind. And then what I decided to do is I learned that you can purchase semi-precious stones online. Now, it's a little bit hard to understand, a little bit hard to do, a little bit hard to get consistency. And nowadays, shipping is expensive. But, uh, I mean, I did this in its heyday. So I got, I got to learn about semi-precious stones, which is kind of an interesting hobby to have for a while. I don't have it memorized, but I wrote little notes for every single little pack of stuff that I got try to understand. I learned what I like because I knew I liked Tiger's Eye for some reason. And uh, I, but I didn't quite remember what it looked like. Man, you get some of these, again, semi-precious, but oh, they're so beautiful. Oh, they're absolutely incredible. And some of them, I didn't know that certain varieties existed, like Blue Tiger's Eye. Get some Blue Tiger's Eye just and actually look at it in the real world. It's not like you're going to get pictures of it. It is absolutely spectacular. Video these days, you're probably going to get a good representation of it. But the, the, the light plays off of some of these so well. Oh, it's so nice. So I've got a whole lot of a bunch of different kinds. And I only recently really settled on one particular style. And the idea is that you can you can hand you can hand these out as little chips of treasure, and they can be representations of stuff. If I mean, even if I was playing a card game, or I mean, at one point I'm like, well, how many pieces is it in a checker set? Well, why don't I just get a checker set worth of two different colors of this kind of stone? Because they're about the right size. Like, well, the hematite's a little big, actually. That's the one thing that I don't like. But everything else, I could get in a bunch of different well, quote-unquote colors, but they're actual, again, they're actual semi-precious stones, and they're big, 
and so they're they're tangible they're not tiny little tiny little rocks or cubes or they're not meant for jewelry they don't have holes through them so they're pendants or anything they're just they're just rocks and they're they're smooth and they're just gorgeous so i actually have several sets of checkerboard pieces that are semi-precious stones man and and i have a ch- i have a ch- it's like the childhood dream right i have a chest over there and i clean my room put my bed up on stilts was able to push a lot of bins out of the way and now i've got the the reward for doing this it's having i can sit in the middle of my floor pull my treasure chest out open it like a little child <laughs> I should probably put LED lights in there so it goes, ah, and just lights things up. Like, what is that, Indiana Jones style, but without the face melting? Or uh, Pulp Fiction style, I suppose I could, with the briefcase. And uh, and it's just like, pull up my little, like, dude, it's treasure. How awesome is that? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm really happy about that kind of stuff. So there are there are things that you can do to to take advantage of moods to get certain things done and the reward is probably unknowable your future self will thank you for having taken the effort to not do the 80% to do less of that to really take advantage of the 20 to really take advantage of the 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 hope the the potential that you had when coming back from a swing so you, when you take full advantage of what you're capable of, um, you, you will forever forward get the benefit of. So, um, okay. Okay, okay. So I want to talk briefly about vitamin D. Um, I had talked about it before. Vitamin D is one of the few things that a person can do either proactively or during something like a respiratory illness. And understanding these things happens to be important for the times. And I'm a fairly technical person, as all my, as doctors will get annoyed by. And so I, I understood early on about it, and I know about the papers, and I know all this kind of stuff. Now, I, I have not been paying attention to the times for some time now. And uh, so, I mean, I'm getting on with life, and the, the, like, the intrigue is gone. Like, the, what's, there's an expression for this the minion so when people get married they have like a moonlighting they they go on vacation honeymoon phase that's right so the honeymoon phase yeah so the the honeymoon phase of the times is over for me i'm no longer excited or interesting interested in it i mean it's not part of the show it shouldn't be not that not politics not any socially sensitive i just i'm sorry i'm done i get on with life like it Nothing, no, no, a lot of people want to involve themselves in things that are greater than them and good, fine, healthy. I I really don't care, but it doesn't matter. Like you're not going to be effective if you haven't worked on yourself properly. If you're done working on yourself, which I'm, if the return on investment for working on yourself becomes diminished enough you can start taking that effort it's like paying off your debt you start becoming wealthy and you can donate if you actually have the money to it's like so if you sit there and you if you care and you care in terms of money and you think giving money solves problems which it doesn't you've got problems if you think that like you don't have money to give so if you work on yourself 
and your debts so that you have money. The, the, the more adamant you are about that, the more committed you are, the more you reduce your personal debt is the sooner and the more wealth you have to put towards something you care about, right? So there are a lot of people that care already externally too much. They haven't worked on themselves enough to actually be uh, a competent person to help with some cause or whatever the heck, right? Like don't go volunteering if you don't have time for yourself. Like have time for yourself until you've, you've done what you want in life, until you start working on dumb things that don't really matter as much to you. And then be like, okay, well, you know what? I've been wasting my time on the couch watching TV when I should have been working on these things that matter to me spiritually, let's say. Like, I, I should be going and doing these things. I should be going when, and that becomes a more fulfilling return on investment than this other stuff. That's, that's how people should work. And uh, so anyway, anyway, vitamin D. Vitamin D. So one of the things that I was curious about is first off, is there going to be a uh, a problem with accessibility to vitamin D? So I got access to uh, to a bunch, and it was really cheap, and it was remarkably really cheap. So much so that I'm going to stock up. Actually, I need to. I've got a container right here. Okay. Expires 07 2024. You are you are correct if you want to think that I'm going to get four years worth of this stuff. Okay. I'm going to probably get the, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to get less than that. Cause, cause there's more than like each one of these containers has like 360 pills. But one of the things I wanted to know about, cause I love the technical stuff is, well, we make the assumption that vitamin C, uh, vitamin D, pardon me, is associated with sunlight and it and that is now a dangerous thought to think okay it may well be true it is less true than people realize and it's less true be, uh, due to the realities of physics and bio biology some people receive some people will generate more vitamin d than others in sunlight as a beige person this is a fact i must understand <laughs> And I don't run around topless. <laughs> so I'm not going to sunbathe in the backyard. That's an absolute disaster that I'm going to keep bringing up in the future. Okay, so I, what I wanted to know is, with this, well, first, is there different kinds of vitamin D? And is it any good to take in an artificial form? Should I think about food? It's really rare in foods. Um, okay, so how much can I take? It, like, there are other things where if you take a bottle full, you're going to die. Uh, or hopefully you're going to throw up and feel really, really bad or feel bad enough to need hospitalization. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully. Okay, well, this is right. how much do I take? Well, the bottle will say one or two a day kind of thing. Well, yeah, but come on, how much can I take? And so I actually went, hey, it's me. I went to the Canadian government. I'm Canadian. So I went to the Canadian government and I found their uh, their the officially recognized research and paperwork regarding daily recommended dosages. And specifically, those uh, recommendations do get into the very technical... Oh, man, is I just wanted to know a number. Like, <laughs> hey, government, how much of this can I take a day? I just want them to say a thousand. <laughs> and be like, okay, fine, a thousand. Uh, but so I had to slog through like, oh, if you'd like to view this PDF, you can log in for free. And like, I don't want to log in. I just want to look at the, hey, government, why are you, 
why is this being offered in a hardcover version for 60 bucks Canadian? Uh, why this is just knowledge that citizens should have access to? Oh, oh, I can get a PDF by logging in. Why do I have to make a login for this? That's just stupid. Okay, I can view it online for free. It's a little hard, but I can do it. So I poke through and boy, did I have to work to actually get the number. It's just a little table of, no, and it's a different recommendation. If you go to Wikipedia, okay, please feel free to go to Wikipedia for your knowledge. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> they'll give you some numbers and they'll like be badly sourced and old. And so you learn that. So the Wikipedia I go to happens to be the English language Wikipedia, which means primarily it is going to be American, which is a, a real shame since America is all American about stuff. So I'm not going to get proper knowledge for a lot of things. So I had to find references for the Canadian stuff. And it turns out the recommendations are different between, I think it's example, it that page had uh, the United States, Canada, and Australia. I think it had those three. It might've had more. I didn't check because I kind of stopped caring once I hit Canada. So I went to Canada and learned, and it's something like a thousand to 1500 milligrams a day. I'm like, okay, well, I got pills of 1000. I'm going to look at it carefully. 1,000 IU. IU slash UI because Canada's got French as well. And I'm like, wait a second. 25 MCG. Like, wait, wait, wait. But the recommend dosage, recommended dosage is in MG. So is it... And I'm like, okay, now I have to understand my units and stuff like that. So MCG is the same as MG, as I understand. I'll have to double check, of course. But the pills that I got, they're 25. <laughs> so I'm like... Oh, okay, so I'm nowhere near the toxicity levels that they have determined. Uh -oh. This is great. This is great. But, well, how much of this should I be taking then to for it to matter for respiratory, uh, let's say, let's say defense or, you know, for, for bolstering, for bolstering yourself? Because that's, again, that's the, the actual, the actual science is very limited, but they're the only actual science for something that an everyday person can do for respiratory stuff, either as defense or as uh, for recovery or for fighting anything off as vitamin D. That's the only thing that exists. It's understood right now, but again, I'm slightly out of date. So how much do I take? Shrug. <laughs> but at least I'm not, I'm going to add a couple of pills into my daily regimen of all kinds of other stuff. I've talked about vitamin E being magic for my voice, it, it might just be not eating pasta anymore, <laughs> not eating carbs anymore, but it, I think it's the vitamin E, you know, so it's all this kind of stuff. And you're, as you get old, you should probably have vitamin C and, or vitamin, yeah, well, calcium, pardon me, calcium for osteoporosis and vitamin D to help you process that, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm taking a bunch of stuff because it's not that expensive and I'm concerned about my, my health a little, a little bit more. Even though a lot of people are like, you take vitamins, you're just going to have uh, funny colored pee, which is true, which is true, but not nearly as true as people would think. And uh, yeah, I, I actually no longer have, have funny pee from taking vitamins. So my body is actually using this stuff, I think. Uh, uh, things are weird and complicated. Anyway, anyway, uh, trust in products is a challenging thing because everybody that wants to sell you something it technically speaking wants to get away with tricking you to purchase their stuff and they want to hide from the responsibility of uh 
you know, they, they want to hide from that, from the accountability, which is, so technically speaking, possibly all of vitamins would do nothing for all anybody knows. And our assumption is that somebody, somebody must know, somebody must check this stuff. But, but do you know for sure? Has somebody checked? Have you gone and looked to see if, say, your government, if you trust your government's research, has even looked into the value of taking a multivitamin, for example? I'll bring it up to your doctor. At least that's a good start. I've got access to a dietitian as well, so I could bring it up to her. Although I care more about food when I'm talking to her about diet. Um, she, there's a lot of stuff she just doesn't understand. But the, the girl I've got access to, she's, uh, she's wonderful. She's actually, uh, I don't know the details because it's not my, I haven't looked into the field, but she actually had some, she got into debt a little bit more <laughs> to get a, some additional information, some additional knowledge. So there's a, a minimum standard that Canada has in order to recognize a dietitian. And, and that's, that's not true in all places. So Canada actually takes it pretty seriously. And she did that, and she did a little bit more to make herself, probably to make her resume really good. That's why she was hired at the, actually the physiotherapist place that I go to because of my back, recommended her. Uh, so she's actually attached to them because, you know, physiotherapy and diet are kind of, kind of together. If somebody's, uh, if somebody wants to walk again because they've been in a wheelchair for a while and they're all healed up, well, it isn't just the physio physiotherapy that matters, it's also... You know, the diet and nutrition and stuff like that. They should also have a psychologist, but, you know, that's the complete package of, of helping the mind out as well as the body, as well as the diet. So, uh, welcome back to our final segment. We actually need to have these cards say when our, our maybe have an overall show timer and then have the cards say what segment we're on. You know, this would be segment three out of three. You know, welcome back to our are not particularly wholesome, but apolitical thing. <laughs> the only non-political podcast in the world. <laughs> um, okay, so I talked about vitamin D last. I'm done with that. I actually want to talk about... Uh, we're going to get into administrivia, and I've got a huge amount of stuff to talk about. Uh, but I, it's boring. <laughs> it's boring, and there's interesting stuff that I want to go over. Obviously, I can save stuff for next show. And I have been. That's so awesome. Um, okay. I want to talk about uh, about laces. I, and I know, so I have talked about in the past the importance of looking at everyday things in your life and not letting them be background. Actually spending some time trying to understand it, trying to optimize these things. I mean, my example was getting silk sheets. Like, you sleep a lot. You spend a lot of money on your waking life in order to make it more comfortable, in order to, like, sometimes just to cope. Like I said earlier, buying luxury things when you're poor just to, to cope. Like, a lot of people will do things like that. They will eat a good lunch, but they don't think in terms of optimizing sleep, even though we sleep that often. We sleep, like, all the time, for a while. But not many people take the money that they invest in improving their waking life and take some of it and try to improve their sleeping life. You know, get a good mattress, get good sheets, you know, d figure it out, right? Figure it out. Have a really nice shower experience um, before going to bed. Understand, like, just 
get a good alarm clock that doesn't shock you so much, but jostles you to sleep, to jostles you awake. Get an alarm clock that turns the lights on well ahead of time before making sound. So maybe you'll just gently be nudged awake. Like, learn. Learn you. Okay. So, laces. And the reason I needed to understand laces is uh, I have had, for the longest time, a pair of boots. And I got these boots. I didn't know what I wanted, but I went to some people that I knew, and they were in the United States, and, uh, you know, recommendations and friends and friends, and these are good people. And I went to them when, like, I, I want some boots, and I looked at their, they no longer do this kind of thing, but at the time, I, I looked through their, their store, their meager offerings, and I found a pair of boots that I liked. I'm like, whoa, you know, buy it for life. Even back then, I understood. You get a really nice pair of boots, it'll just last you. And I was sick and tired of having cold and wet sneakers in wintertime, right? And and so I got these boots and, I, and I'm like, okay, well, I've heard all these stories about boots that are too big. So I got, or too, too tight. So I got boots that are big. They're one size too big. And that was probably a bad idea. And now knowing what I do know, that's, I'm pretty sure that was a bad idea. But regardless, my feet never fit in there. And I managed to get them in. And you're supposed to wear them until they break in and... I just wasn't happening and it was really hurting my feet. I tried all kinds of stuff. You know, I was smart. I looked things up. I had tried different things. I was a little bit nervous because I didn't want to damage these things because they were expensive and they were expensive in those days, dollars, which I don't know how, I know that there are more expensive boots these days, but I paid half again, the cost of these boots just to deal with the, uh, the, the fees to get them across the border. So I actually had them shipped from the United States, from that manufacturer to these guys, from these guys up to me. And it was all manner of inconvenient and take took a lot of time and had surprise payments and stuff like that. But wore these, I did try for a while. They ended up tearing the back of my heels and uh, tearing them down until they were bleeding, until they bled through my socks. And you might think, well, you need to have proper boot socks and stuff like this. Okay, fine. Th this is true. So that's been on my, <laughs> one of the items on my Amazon wish list kind of thing, right? But, but I, I took another stab at it and went, okay, this isn't working out. And I learned at one point about, about, you know, I did some random research and I, I learned some of the search terms, some of the language, and I learned that lacing matters. There's something called a runner's lock or a heel lock. And I've talked about this before. It's a way of lacing that uh, that pulls that pulls the shoe towards the the towards your toes essentially right it, it essentially locks the back of the shoe up, right up against the back of your heel and what that does is that prevents the kind of rubbing that I was experiencing that was damaging skin and uh, I mean if you want to you can find uh, so United Kingdom so football players who have a lot of shoe concerns. So I found a, even recently a, a nice video on YouTube about this kind of thing. I'm not going to look it up, but you can find lots of stuff. And, and boots, turns out, was a category of lacing. Now, I had originally discovered the heel lock stuff and applied it to uh, have a pair of nice leather shoes. They have a hard back, and they would do the same thing. I think one of the... They've, they've got like little sewing lines, like seams that can be a little raised out towards the ankle, towards the, the heel, and they can do damage that way. 
and oh, okay. And women experience this. So uh, women appropriated men's high heels, which was normally, which is for cavalry. And so women wear high heels all the time now, even though men kind of stopped because we're not cavalry so often anymore. So women wear these really awful shoes. Um, I suppose it matters if you want to say it's important for the culture of women shrug. I don't care. I don't like the idea of having, uh, I'm not attracted to a woman who has made herself uncomfortable to try to impress me. Um, but, but heels are a thing and so are awful, ill-fitting shoes. And, uh, it, I, I think of this exactly as the, the same. I respond to the problem of ill-fitting shoes the same way I respond to the lack of pockets. Like i why are you doing that to yourself? <laughs> the market isn't manipulating you into buying this stuff. So, but women are in these terrible shoes. And it isn't that they're like finding comfortable shoes. They're finding ways of being more comfortable in terrible shoes. So that there are pads and the one woman is like, yeah, if you really want to fit to these heels, there, there's like this special lubricant you put on your heel. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Just wear normal shoes. Like, get a refund on those, those $250 shoes. <laughs> and just wear sneakers. Like, oh, you need to wear nice shoes for that nice dress for going out. Like, oh, there are a few problems with that. But okay. Like, okay. So, so women understand feet stuff. It's different for shoes like this, and it's different with laced stuff. So there's ways of lacing. So I learned the ways of lacing, and they work just for the shoes, never for the boots. And so they've been sitting in the closet. I'm thinking, okay, well, you know what? I bought different little cheap Walmart boots last year, and they were great. And one of the barriers of me like just going out to play is good footwear. I'm like, okay, this year, no. I just need to pull these boots out of the closet, and I need to figure out how to make them work. And I found some boot spray, which actually softens the boots. And it actually works. Like none of these uh, crumpled up wet balls of paper thrown into the toes and not no baking them or the hair dryer wearing them with multiple pairs of socks and they, nothing. The, you spray this on, spray this on inside and out, rub it on, wait 10 minutes, come back, do it again, put your foot in, walk around until it dries off, you know, do it again, do it again. And half a bottle of this little spray, done. It fits. It, but it tears, it tears the heel off of my foot on the right hand side. It's slightly, uh, the seam is slightly out and it ah, being one size too big gives room in the boot and it's rubbing up against the back, particularly of my right heel. And it damaged it. I toughed it out going to the store and back. Right. And I walked because I needed to have an excuse to walk while it's forming to my foot while it's still kind of drawing out. I did that. I suffered. I came back. I, I tore my heel off. So it's it's now mostly healed, which is which is great. I could put a bandage on it or something, and uh, put the boot back on. But what I I went looking for boot lacing to figure that out. I researched it again, and uh, it turns out there really are other methods of lacing boots. I mean, obviously, right? Okay. And particularly, I was watching a video of a, a military man, a young man, actually, and he's just got a collection of boots. And he was going over his experience with different boots. And, okay, I made this a minor hobby, derailing me from other stuff, but I was interested, and this really applied. And this was a thing that's a burden in my life for far too long. I just want to have these boots work, because I was ready to 
me, I would probably throw them away because I'm such a first world idiot, but really I should just be donating them, right? And they're beautiful boots, so somebody would really appreciate them. And they're basically new. Uh, they're just collecting dust. Okay, so this guy was going over all kinds of boot-related stuff, which is like, wow, well, I bought the wrong kind of boots kind of thing. The buyers regret. But he, but other people started talking about lacing and different kinds of laces and different words, different names for all this stuff. And there's actually a totally alien way of lacing boots that I never would have thought of on my own. And that way is this heel lock with a different kind of uh, loop that secures the laces down the front. And right, the magic is, so first, a, a boot has regular laces from the toe end all the way up to a kind of a joint. And then things change when, they're, when they go up the leg. And I was thinking, well, they're changing just because lacing is a little like harder from that angle and there's kind of a joint where there's a little gap between the lacing, the shoe style lacing and the boot style lacing. But here's what you do. If I can describe it in words, then I understand it. So you do regular lacing, who cares? You can do specialized running lacing and stuff like that. So up from the toe up to that, that joint is what I'll call it. Now at that point, almost as though you're tying a knot there, but you're, you're tying, so you loop left lace over right lace, and but you wrap it around twice, you tie that tight. What that does is that tends to separate the bottom laces from what's gonna happen with the top laces. And you tie that nice and tight, and then you take those laces, left and right, and you move them all the way up. You do nothing, no lacing through loops or hooks or anything like that. You just pull them all the way up to the top of your boots. And then you lace from top backwards, you top, from top to down, you lace. And when it gets down to the very bottom, well, in my case, I have eyelets. I don't have hooks. And when I get down to the very bottom, you do that double twist. So you put left over right or right over left, who cares? You twist it around twice. You pull it nice and tight. And all the way, you throughout all the lacing, you want it to be tight enough that you can't put your finger underneath the stitching, the, the lacing. And you do that double loop. So your final knot is just a regular knot Okay, so you do the little bunny ears, because I, I don't really know how to tie my laces like normal people, because I'm weird. So, but you do the little bunny ear loop, then you, but you, instead of doing that final tug, you do the bunny ear loop, and then you move the loop a second time. So that's how you do your, so you got this, this kind of extra annoying, thicker loop. And the reason you do that is if you look at the hiking YouTube videos that talk about boot lacing, for uh, and if uh, a lace gets snagged somewhere but you're in you're in gear you've got a backpack on you've got gloves on uh, if you snag your your boot lace on something or just got, gets undone having to disassemble everything in order to to find a rock because you have no mobility to even bend down uh, to actually go there and you know, take your gloves off in the cold and figure out how to fix your boot laces that's a a minor nightmare. So there are videos that talk about lacing from that perspective. So it's like from, from sports to military to like outdoorsy stuff, all talking about the sun because footwear is kind of a human universal. So I learned about this, this looping and, and it's, it's fantastic. It absolutely hugs my foot 
incredibly well. And the fact that I've got uh, one size too big, now it just means I have extra wiggle room for my toes, or the idea was that I have uh, extra space everywhere for thicker winter socks. Because like I'm not going to wear these things with running shoe style socks. I still need to get boot socks for... Um, I mean, we don't do, like, Minion and I don't do the Christmas thing. I don't like gift giving. But normally it would be like Christmas. You make fun of getting socks for Christmas. <laughs> but, but, like, how often do you wear socks? A lot. Optimize with good socks. I mean, it's it hurts me to have to say something like that because I myself am subject to that absence of knowledge. But, yeah. How often did you use socks? Like all the time. It's like, how often do you use shoes? Like all the time. Well, get good stuff. <laughs> Don't eat out for a while. Make your luxury good something that lasts a lot longer. Something you're really going to love. Wear comfortable socks. Wear comfortable shoes. Figure out the lacing stuff. At any rate. <laughs> At any rate. So, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The bacon stuff before I move on. Um... The uh, the bacon it worked out uh, pretty pretty well. It's not the best. It doesn't seem like it's cooked enough. Uh, I should probably bake it separately and then put it on, put it in, something like that. Um, it's okay. I don't think I'm going to hurt myself eating it because I, I cooked it at one temperature and then I heated it up to a recommendation and then cooked it for that amount of time as well. So it's kind of a it's slightly drier than it probably ought to have been. But it's, I mean, it's okay. I'll eat my, I'll eat my dog food, so to speak. And I'll learn from this. I'll understand it. And uh, I'll do it better next time. And then next time. And then, and so forth. It'll, it'll be awesome. It'll be awesome. Hopefully I will have discovered something like a new recipe. We'll see. Um, oh yeah, totally. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take a few minutes to talk about this before we get into some administrative stuff. It'll bore the socks off of people that aren't regulars. Um, so Minion and I talked about this, and Minion already knows about this, and so I want to talk about pasta uh, because I'm not – I understand there's a reason I bought the the, the pasta. They're actually called Scooby-Doo's. I don't know how they get away with calling their pasta Scooby-Doo's, but whatever. Scooby-Doo is a – I'll explain it really quickly again. You can imagine that it is like a macaroni, but it has an, an additional twist, okay? And there are other noodles that are like this already. So it's it's a macaroni with an additional twist, but it's got a ridges, lines going up on the outside. And this is a superior pasta, objectively, physics-wise, because it's not going to stick to your pot, your pot at all. And it's not going to stick because it's got just less surface area on the outside, so it's easier to slip around, doesn't stick to itself. And it occurs to me that you no longer need, and I did this a couple of times, you no longer need to bring your water to a boil first because you have no concern about stuff sticking anymore. Because, hey, we have non-stick pots now. Even if your pot is ceramic coated, it's good enough to be non-stick to pasta. So you can actually just throw pasta in and no more this weird guessing of how much water or whatever the heck. You you just throw your pasta in, cover it with water, cover it more with water because pasta expands when it's cooking, and then, then bring it to boil, right? And then turn the heat down to a simmer. And all along, 
you just soak it. It's especially this pasta is not going to stick at all. It does not change it. It does not make it all droopy. It doesn't make it all starchy or something weird. It works perfectly fine. And it's one extra step that it's always bothered me sitting around waiting for the pasta to boil before putting it in and, and then having to watch it to make sure it doesn't boil over all this, all this stuff. It's, it's always been annoying, but now you know, doing this <laughs> just in time to stop eating pasta. Yeah, that's, that's the way my life is anyway. So, and the salt thing, this is also recommended for rice. Uh, I never understood why salt gets added to water and physics wise, what it does is it lowers the boiling point, but objectively, like in the real world, again, first world problems, right? Like I just don't care. It maybe it takes more energy. I don't notice that it takes less time. I don't know what's going on. Do you need to add salt so that something like the rice or pasta something happens with the quote-unquote cooking of it as far as i know no i again i asked the fresh the uh, french chef of mine the friend of mine and uh he's like shrug i don't know why we do it <laughs> like oh great like he knows what he knows he just doesn't know why he does the things that he does great uh, well that doesn't help me any so that's also something that i've never had i've lived a life without adding salt to anything Although I started doing it for boiled eggs now. And I think maybe salt is one of the things that's absent in my life and that might influence my mood as well. Man, I'm complicated. I have to make myself a hobby to understand this stuff uh, in order to improve myself, in order to pursue the things that I want to do in life for other people. It's like uh, parents, you can live for your children, but unless you yourself are fixed, you're not going to be good enough for the things you want to be for your kids. You're, you're not going to be able to help fulfill somebody else's dreams if uh, you're busted, right? So you're not going to be able to donate money if you're in debt. You really shouldn't if you are. I mean, there are certain circumstances where uh, maybe you morally should because, you know, you're helping, you're helping, right? There's the reasons, right? Anyway, on to something else. So uh, got it, almost a half an hour. Let's get into some administrivia. Okay, let me let me see. So so the first idea, minion, is uh, for your to do list. Could you make it so that I mean, it certainly would help me, but for the audience, it would help. Which is uh, each of the uh, scenes that have like time till next break, have them say the segment number. So make a note of that. And that will, that will help, uh, like an audience member that pops in, it'll let them know how much time there is remaining. And you could have a total show countdown if you wanted to, maybe at the bottom, right? Um, maybe really small text, maybe it doesn't matter. Right. And you can just say like segment one out of three, two out of three, three out of three. And it's just some fixed text. Um, please do that. I think it would help people a lot. Um, we're still working on style, obviously. Um, I have no idea what to do about logo. I haven't thought about that in a while. Uh, I still kind of want to pay somebody to make something nice. Um, but I mean, technically, it's not supposed to be my responsibility in any of that, technically. And so we'll do that later. But the, the segment labeling would be awesome. Um, and the general style, like lining stuff up. Like right now, the number 22 is not lined up with anything. And it's a different size. 
So it's a little, I know people who are, uh, who are really picky about this sort of thing, right? Really picky. And it's not that I necessarily need to, uh, appease that mindset, but it, it would still be nice. It would still be nice to, to pretend like there is an audience that would care about that particular problem because that's a motivator for improvement. And let me, let me clickety clack with my notes and I'll edit this out in post one sec. I immediately forgot what the initial thing was. What I was just talking about? Yeah. Okay, so uh, label each of the segment numbers. So right now, well, first off, right now we don't have a break after this. We're done after this. <laughs> so we can say time till show end or something like this. This is a little weird. But this can say segment three out of three. And so the first one with the countdown timer with the show timer uh, the time till next break would say like segment one out of three, and then next one would be segment two out of three. This kind of thing. What would be the point of the segments other than the last part where we just talk over a certain... Well, if a person gets interested in the show early on, we need a way to tell them how long the show is so they can have that in their brain and and be like, oh, well, I, I want to I wanna clean things. I like this show. I, things are great. I'm, I'm hooked. Let me uh, make sure that I'm not making any other plans for the next couple of hours. We, we want people to know this stuff up front. And we want to remind people to, uh, to stick around for, you know, the next episode, the next, pardon me, the next, uh, the next segment, and then get them used to the length of the show for next time. So yes, it is valuable. Add it. You will not regret it. It is important segment feels like we have something to talk in those certain blocks well how do you want to label one of these bits that's that is the word that gets used by like shows is we we're never going to have well okay it, it will be one day that we will have particular topics per uh per unit of time and that we will because i am ending a topic at the just before break i am starting to do that and i'm just going to get better at it and i am starting to have topic styles per each of these um it's just it hasn't i just get derailed and some interesting stuff happens so it is going to be migrating towards more and more topical segments it just sounds like uh the common word to use i think if you can think of something better like not my problem <laughs> technically I'm just giving you really solid suggestions because, I mean... I'll keep thinking of it in the meantime. We'll see how long it takes, but I'll keep thinking of sure. it. Sure. And don't forget, like, right now, time till next break makes no sense. So I should just say time till show end or... I don't know. I don't know. There have been the day, the odd day where we just keep going for a while. It just keeps going for a while, even longer. Yeah, but like I have said last time you brought this up, um, we need people to be able to rely on the end of the show. We need, we need technically to end the show no matter what at that time, right? So that people can go to bed. So people can have lives, um, and going over time will torture the people that are most interested in the show. Cause they can't, maybe they can't stay cause they made plans. So we need to be reliable for that time. I am going to start stopping exactly on that time because i'm going to have a life i'm going to have plans 
Um, so for example, if I was playing video games, for example, um, this would leave me with like an hour and a half before start time for rating, maybe an hour and 15 minutes. So it'll be 15 minutes assembling people, an hour of doing stuff, and then 15 minutes plan. Like, so I need to end, just end. So it turns out that Wednesdays are really good for me for that. But, 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 right? We have plans that happen. Me and other people have plans that happen regularly. And every listener is going to be like that where they need to know the schedule. They, the telling them when the breaks are helps them hold it until they use the bathroom, helps them go and get a snack at a certain time, helps them be relying on us. And having a solid end time, absolutely it's something I'm going to do. For me, one day when you have a life for you and for every listener. So yeah, absolutely. We're going to end it. Um, Overtime is just not going to be a thing for, for any reason. Okay. So, okay, next thing I want to talk about is the push to talk we just implemented. So one of the things with doing editing with the separate tracks, with headphones, with all this kind of stuff, is we have gentle audio quality improvement. And with the show that's going up tomorrow, um, I did some more audio editing tricks that I think are so good that I'm going to be able to just hand them to Minion. Volume levels will be fantastic. I understand how to do some additional tweaking. Like I'm getting smart, smart enough to write it all down and then forget it. So I don't have to know. Okay. So what we implemented is because, because of the separation of tracks, I could actually hear Minion breathe with his open mic. And it's just the arrangement of his mic. He has got a headset and the microphone's right there. And that, uh, that is, and it's an open mic. It's supposed to be voice sensitivity, but it's not, it is for discord. So it is for the live stream going out, but recording locally, Audacity, it has a noise gating feature, but it's not any good. And so you can kind of do like almost like a push to talk that cancels out breathing or low end sound. You can do that in post, but uh, I don't want to do that. I actually want to implement a push to talk. So I found some software. Apparently this is kind of hard to find. Um, and uh, he, so he's got a hotkey and only when he presses the hotkey does does his microphone enable and lets him talk so it isn't his breathing isn't picked up in an open mic so it, it just in case there's traffic or something like that that isn't picked up and his voice comes in when when he pushes and when he talks so that's perfect and i implemented the opposite for myself so i can mute myself so i can cough and it is literally called wait what what is the term a cough button, I think is the actual term. And, uh, it, it's, it's working out very well. I've had to cough a couple of times and it's, it's very nice. It's very helpful. Um, I guess the next thing is I need to work on are my plosives, which happened at least once in this show. And then the next would be my breathing is picked up and it's mic sensitivity. Like the, my microphone is actually, the gain is turned up all the way. And, uh, there are all kinds of problems and there are nuances that I can fix. There's always room for improvement. So I'm still working on that stuff. And I'm actually, I kind of like, like you can hear my inhales between sentences, for example, like my, <laughs> like my labored breathing, but you can also hear my little chuckles and stuff like that. So it's kind of, it pays off having the sensitivity. So I kind of like it. Maybe to be part of the show. Like, 
This is meant to be uh, room level, like you're sitting in the room. It's meant to be pretty authentic. It's not necessarily meant to be sound studio quality stuff. Maybe that'll change later. Maybe we'll sell out and have like sponsors. This chair is sponsored by, but maybe we will be sponsored by Pepsi one day. Uh, would, would I actually say yes to that? I, I, I don't know. That would be funny. I mean, so we are thinking about doing visual stuff anyway. Now, the other concern that I have working on, I don't know if it's going to happen. I'll know if I've improved a little bit or not soon, uh, is my chair. Because I, I turn, I wiggle my chair a little bit when I speak. And my chair has these little clicks or squeaks. And that will happen mid-sentence and I can't clean them out. And uh, it's torture because I'll hear that. And in one uh, episode, I don't know what was happening, but the clicks were happening all throughout the beginning part of the entire show. And maybe that was the chair. Maybe that was the chair because I was in that mood and I was just wob wobbling the, ch the chair. Like, you know, some people, how they shake their leg <laughs> under certain circumstances. Maybe I've got that when I'm moving the chair around a little bit. I'm just like helping my back and this kind of stuff. And uh, it was torture because I was fiddling with sound settings. And I wasn't sure if I was just wrecking my own audio with my sound settings, but I'd... Yeah, it, it worked out. It worked out. So I'm working on this chair squeak. Man, I hope I don't have to buy a new chair because they're so expensive. But I've got a good recommendation if I want to spend a few hundred bucks on a chair. Whew. At least I'll be getting a really, really highly recommended one. Um, the other thing is car sounds. So I actually learned what to do about about audio. I understand a little bit more about the physics and the audio engineering and stuff like that. This is going to be my next, uh, next kind of hobby. So I'm pretty much done with the software side of stuff. Uh, and, and I'll be handing that over to Minion and most likely the macro I will give him, which I, I think we can actually, I think it's good enough that I can probably share because it's just a few lines of text. We can probably share in like the description of a video somewhere. And and so I'll hand that off and then I will take my interest and I'll move it towards the actual physical side of the engineering. And so I understand like you can purchase horrifyingly expensive panels and things like this, but it turns out that they're all useless. They're all useless for the category of sound that I want, which is bass, which is cars. And so I learned how I can actually manufacture, like I can build myself a, uh, it's basically a really heavy frame and it suspends, uh, it encapsulates, um, heavy, like heavy insulation, like home insulation. And it has to be specific stuff and it has to be heavy. Like it has to be heavy. The idea is it has substance and, uh, you, you, you box it in wood so that you have something to hold it with. And then you stretch a specific kind of fabric that is that you can blow through and you can feel your hand. So a, a fairly loose fabric and you stretch that over for the beauty of it. Plus it has a certain kind of audio treatment effect as well. And then you hang it about a, an inch, oh, a, an inch suspended away from the wall, like on little pegs or something. And so I would, I would technically hang those up and those would help with the base. Those help absorb the base. It is meant for my side of the room to absorb the base of my voice from reflecting back. So I would have that behind me, but I think I will also get uh, an impact from traffic, the sound coming through the walls. So I'm not sure. Maybe I'll build something um, 
because I moved my microphone. It's on the edge of my desk. I'll talk about the moving too. And uh, so I might be able to put like a little, like a little half arc around the microphone. And that might, that might be all I need is to just make sure that there's a shield around the microphone. And that would be wonderful. And the shield around the microphone, then a shield kind of behind my voice. And maybe that would be enough to, I just, oh man, I, because of the audio treatment I'm doing in post, I can, I can see and I can really hear the rumble of cars, even though I have a high pass filter and maybe I have to just modify that high pass filter. <laughs> I'm going to make a note specifically for that because I probably should have thought of that at the time. Okay. One sec. Notice how I'm not typing and talking at the same time because <laughs> that was obnoxious. Okay. So, um, the, the washing machine, now that I'm making arrangements to not have any use at all, I don't think it's a big deal, but I had been looking at, there are these pads that you can get that go underneath the washing machine so it doesn't bounce around and make so much noise. And they're actually expensive, but I think they're just solid, solid rubber. And I don't know that that would matter at all. It might help quite a lot. But my main problem is the banging of the pipes as the water is being turned on and off by the washing machine. And I'll, I'll explore that some more. But it's not a problem that needs to be fixed anymore. So that's wonderful. Um, second last. So I've got a combination of monitor arms. I had been ordering this stuff from China and it would take months to get here. and It didn't matter. It's just, I was buying stuff ahead of time, understanding that I would be making YouTube videos and then that a podcast was possible. And here we are. And so I've had a collection of monitor arms or pardon me. Well, I have monitor arms, but uh, of, of arms that could hold doodads. And then I had to get adapter doodads and, and, and claw doodads and all this kind of stuff. Like, so I've got all kinds of combinations of all sorts of things, but ultimately I had to purchase some very specific adapters to make sure that each of my devices can be held the way I want by the correct arm, by the correct stand, this kind of stuff. And I haven't, I haven't built a list, so I can't really inform somebody else on how to do this stuff, which is really a shame. Um, so I, I went looking around, I actually had to dis disassemble one arm to use some of the parts for another, uh, and, uh, suspended, uh, a, a shock mount meant for a larger microphone. So when I upgrade this microphone to something higher quality, I already have a shock mount that works for it. I kind of jury rigged a, my smaller microphone up to it. So it works really well. I've got a little pop filter and I've got a, a, a the, one of the foam caps for wind. Not that I have wind in a bedroom, but, uh, and, and it's, it's looking great. I'm not sure what's going to happen on camera cause it's going to be kind of in the view. Maybe I'll move it a little bit, but, it's, it's just hanging there. It's not in front of me, which people uh, won't like, like the, the highest quality hearing might notice the difference in stereo, uh, but I really sincerely, seriously doubt it. Theoretically speaking, you can like turn my chair and, and look into the microphone, but it's kind of up and on an angle. And that should mean the plosives are much reduced as well. So hopefully this show will sound a little bit better than the last and the next will sound a little bit better than this one and so forth. And what's interesting, I was looking around, I was, before I realized I had so many monitor or before I realized I had so many 
desk arms for all this equipment. I actually went looking on Amazon to buy a new one. And I'm like, well, these are, they're more expensive than ordering them direct from China. Go figure. It's not a surprise. And I'm looking at them going, why would anybody buy this thing? It's more than a hundred dollars. And I look over, I'm like, oh, I forgot about this arm because it's holding a ring light. <laughs> just, just because I can. It's, it's a replacement for a lamp. And I'm like, wait a second. And I look over and it's the same brand as the thing. Apparently, I, apparently I got a really great deal on something that is ridiculously expensive to buy on Amazon. Cause it's funny because I was musing to myself, like, what idiot would buy this incredibly expensive? And I'm like, oh, uh, me? I, I guess. I don't think I paid a whole lot for this thing at all. Because I think some of these were like $20. And, and I'm looking at it going, okay, well, maybe I should order a second one. Because this is a really nice extra long one. And it costs a little bit more. Maybe it costs $30, $35, something like that. Which is not insignificant. And uh, because I'm, I'm thinking about lighting next, I'm thinking about webcam stuff next. And then that, and there's a whole lot of other things that are, that I need to think about in terms of lighting. And I've talked about glare and stuff like makeup and all right? So lots of considerations, lots of fun for me to research that stuff. But, but World of Warcraft, so this is a video game I play primarily because I have an amazing set of people I play with. So they're a, it is fun because of them. Uh, new stuff is coming out, and uh, that new content is literally coming out on Tuesday. It's not that important, but the new expansion, the new big game, that, oh man, hopefully it isn't coming out right away, because I didn't set aside money for it. AAA games are not something to be taken lightly anymore. I'll figure it out. Um, so... So I, I'm not sure when the full thing is coming out. I think it's coming out in like the next month or two, whatever. At any rate, um, I uh, that's going to be taking my time. And it is very likely that because very important content comes out a week after it launches, I'm not, just not going to be sleeping. I'm probably going to be streaming and probably be playing for 21 hours a day. And uh, I don't know if there are many other humans that can do that. And maybe I can't anymore. But certainly I'm going to be playing for 16 hours a day. Uh, and I'm going to be putting the show on hiatus for at least one week. Right? Probably probably one week. So it's two shows that are going to be skipped. And so that is uh, most likely going to be uh, a Wednesday and then a Sunday after launch. Because the launch is going to be on a Tuesday, I think. I'm not sure how things are going to work. But I'll know ahead of time well enough. And we'll announce it and this kind of stuff. And we don't have a huge enough audience that the live show matters as much as it will in the future. Um, so it just means they're going to, there's going to be some dead time. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to prepare some more interesting clips. Or maybe, you know, maybe Minion... I'll, I'll teach Minion how to pull the actual high-quality clips back out from any shows. And there's some clips that are within the shows that I just found that weren't appropriate because they were long. And Minion can go exploring and can pull together the best ofs or can can take some clips and and just kind of put them all together and make like little half an hour clip shows or screw around. Or maybe we'll just have dead air and Minion can take a small vacation as well while he's play, doing his own stuff. Because Destiny 2 is coming out, isn't it? Uh, the new new content? I can't recall. Not until November, but right now I need all the time and somehow to 
step on tax in order to do things, but this will probably give me... I'm already past my I'm bored, I need to do things phase. So, so you're trying to invent things to make yourself busy? Keep yourself interested? I'm actually doing things. Oh, because oh, you're doing your own... I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about your own efforts. I, I really think you should one day because it helps hold you one day at some point but right now it doesn't feel like a good accomplishment to start saying i i'm trying to avoid the routine of starting something and then doing it for a bit and then going why am i doing this i'm just going to stop and do something else well one of the things that helps people so say for example a person wants to lose weight one of the things that helps that person lose weight is telling people that they want to lose weight and then what happens is they feel guilty, even though nobody brings it up. They feel guilty every time they're around uh, when they haven't worked on it. On it. And first, depends on the groups of friends, right? But some friends will bring it up occasionally, even just as encouragement. And if the person hasn't done as much as they feel they could have, then they feel bad, and that feeling bad helps motivate them for next time. And so it's actually helpful for a person to talk about their life goals. And it, it helps that person hold themselves to that, to what they desire. So I don't know how you work. That's your job to figure out. But uh, for other people talking about their, like, because like I said before, it's something you don't know. And if it's something you don't know, it's not just okay to be bad. You are going to be bad. It's the reality. And, uh, a lot of people play pretend like your very first, uh, like the very first time you admit to your stuff, it's you admit to your stuff with expertise, which, which isn't necessary because you can present stuff and everybody can go, ah, ha, ha, you suck. And then go and then catch themselves. Cause like, well, well, of course, because this is, this is your first try of, of course. And often it's like, yeah, oh, ha, ha, that guy sucks at that. And then they realize that they couldn't even do that. <laughs> it might be like a sour grapes thing where it's like, well, I'm no good at that because I'm not trying. But I, I know if I tried, I would be better than it. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, yeah, everybody can play the guitar until you try playing the guitar. It's not how it works. So you, you know my opinion. My opinion is that if you were to talk about yourself more, and about what you what you want, being bad at it is it's okay. It doesn't actually matter. I mean, partly because people are getting used to. I mean, I joke about about a, a kind of comedy with your lack of motivation, but it's actually true. And I don't think it would be particularly surprising to anybody, including yourself, to actually admit <laughs> that you are you, that you are like you especially if that helps motivate you to not be you, you know, to be, to provide more for your future self and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I could go on and on about that. So we've only got a few minutes remaining. I would love to talk about the archivistic side of things, about how we're going to be doing backups and stuff like that. But it's really, it's, it's pretty obvious to, so people who are doing backups of their content, um, you should have it on, so you should have it under circumstances where uh, if your house cache is on fire, it will survive. So often people will do offsite backups, which is actually getting cheap. You can get a terabyte free with some places. 
and um, hard drives are fairly cheap. And I have to start thinking in terms of, I think I need to buy a new hard drive for myself for this as well, which is uh, kind of a surprising expense, but I'm probably gonna be taking over all the archivistic stuff and making sure it's done right. And, uh, and, and that's my specialty. And that takes it away from Minion. I, I don't need to get you up to speed on this stuff. We can start exploring the things you're good at, start pushing some responsibilities over to you. I can teach you more and more. Do you want to spend some time after the show just doing a little bit more work to understand the, the audio editing stuff that I'm doing? Not today. That might be interesting. We can always delete. Not right now, buddy. I'm doing catch up with a friend in Destiny 2. Okay, so not a problem. Um, so we have another show being uploaded tomorrow. I will probably have this one done tonight. Uh, so it's no rush. That means I could be able to provide more and like every day we're putting new content out. So it's wonderful. At any rate, we're going to wrap the show up. This has been 2020-09-27, episode 22. And I'm going to see you guys all, uh, next Wednesday. Thanks.